to Dear Patriarchy Podcast, the Gaslit Women's Guide to Surviving the Corporate World. Just two sisters having hard conversations. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lisa. And we are having a hard time collectively. So we're going to talk about it because I think that um, a lot of us are struggling right now. So we're going to get real and raw and honest today. Um, So that should be fun for you. (laughs) to listen to. Listen, I think that people are in the mood more to hear about real struggles to relate to because I think that the time of like the Instagram perfect life and like that jealousy scrolling, I think people are tired of that. You know, since the pandemic, like people are just ready to be real. I mean, I know I am, aren't you? I am ready to be real. I think there's a lot of weight being put on people's shoulders to be hyper vigilant of everything that's going on around mm. them. And that mm-hmm. is so hard. Well, there's a lot of shitty things going on. Yeah. And a lot of things that we wouldn't have necessarily known about with like the hyper news cycle. I think we know a lot. So now we need to be, I don't know. I feel like you and I have felt the need to be hyper outraged about things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I also think that it does take a toll. Yeah. I think you and I are both going to kind of take a step back and slow things down and work on, work on getting ourselves to like a good place, you know, self-care, your favorite word. Can I just say that if you're into the lunar stuff at all, Mm. there is a super full-blood moon eclipse happening on Wednesday, which is A, the best name for something that happens in the sky. Yeah, it's so intense. It's so intense. So it's a... It's a total lunar eclipse, which is what a blood moon is called because of the reddish-orange glow that the moon takes on during the eclipse. And the full moon is close to Earth, so it looks a lot bigger in the sky. That's why it's called a super moon. So this is a full-blood super moon eclipse. Sounds very, very intense. What's it supposed to do to you? Yeah, so that's on Wednesday. So what that means is that as you come into that cycle, it's like either a crescendo. Super bud flower moon. Okay. But what I was going to say was the energy of a full moon is either a crescendo or a completion of. So... It's talking about an aspect of your emotional experience that you might have outgrown, mm-hmm. as well as a time for anchoring yourself in a new maturity or a new place of wisdom. So it's like a, it's a super hard time. It's not like a super hard time. It is a hard time emotionally. And whether like you, totally a hard time, like totes McGroats, it's a super hard time. It's so hard. One of the things that it says in the the bit little bits and bobs that I've been reading is that there needs to be an end. Obviously, there needs to be an end to everything to have a new beginning. So it becomes like a purge or a cleanse ahead of this new growth that you can mm. be experiencing. And I think it's really hard to get rid of the things that hold you back. I think it's really hard to step away from practices and patterns that don't serve you. And there's a lot of, if you're on social media a lot, there's a lot of, well, just drop it. Like if it doesn't serve you, just drop it. that's correct. But the Mm -hmm. dropping of things that don't serve you and that harm you and that stunt you and stagnate you, that's Mm -hmm. super, super hard. Especially if you've been doing it for so long that it's become like an addiction or like a comfort. Yeah. No, I think that I think that that's more more apt because I think that when you're in an abusive relationship or an abusive situation that you get comfortable with being in that place. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It has such an impact on your own feeling of self-worth. Mm. And it's so insidious. I know we talk about this anyway. We definitely talked about it in Taking Back Your Power, about the insidiousness of what happens to you in an abusive relationship, an abusive mm -hmm. work relationship, or an mm -hmm. abusive personal relationship of any kind with a family member, with a partner, mm. or whatever. It really takes a toll on your self-worth. You start to believe the story that that is what you deserve. Yes. And that not only is it what you deserve, it's all that you're good for. And also mm -hmm. it's the way of the world. That's something that kind of when we hear that, we think, oh, so I have to accept it, you know, mm -hmm. because that's just how it is. Yeah. And that it keeps you in that. So you don't you don't reach for the discomfort of leaving. Yeah, because we're super comfortable with what we know. Mm hmm. Jenny, we talked about when we went on Abby Desjardins podcast. Mm -hmm. um, the things that keep us up. Yeah, right? which was great. It was a great experience. She said something really good. <laughs> Obviously very triggering for both of us. Think about what you could be doing with a full oh night's God. sleep. Yes. Oh my God. When she said that, I was like, Ugh. oh, how dare yeah. you? How dare totally. you? How very dare you? How very dare you say to me this thing of, and you said it yourself, I'm so tired. I don't even want to think about the amount of tired I'll be if I put these practices into place that would eventually release me from being so tired. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the epitome of where you get to when your sight line is completely obscured by stress. Oh, that's fatigue. so good. Yes. You can't see it anymore. Amen. And you, you can't see the forest for the trees. No. And we've talked about this many times now since the first time we spoke about getting yourself back to reality. Mm -hmm. What's real? Is it real to say that when you work in an industry that isn't welcoming to women, that you should try and carve a place for yourself that is comfortable within an uncomfortable place? Mm. Is it is it reality to think that that's possible? Yeah. Or if every time you go onto a new site and you have to rebuild your comfortable space, are you not maybe mm. are you not maybe trying to do work that isn't ever going to be regenerative. It's never going to it's never going to evolve your situation. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I, that's very specific obviously, but I think that if you're walking into a situation uh, if you're always walking into a situation where you're not welcome, uh, yeah, why are you still walking in every day? That's that was the essence of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting, expecting, yeah, expecting a different result. So let's, let's get out of this. I mean, if you're comfortable with it, let's kind of get out of the theoretical and get into the real. Like, how are you feeling? I don't know how I feel. I think I'm just thinking about what it is about working as a woman in an industry that is unwelcoming to and completely dominate, was well, unwelcoming to women and is completely dominated by men. Mm -hmm. And in an and androcentric world, right? So a world that is focused on and centered around men and an androcentric industry. What's the point of trying of trying to wrestle equality back into the situation when equality is not really wanted? Yes. What's the point? Okay. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Well, it's to help 
the marginalized groups of folks that are going to come behind you. But why and should they have to go through it? If it's never going to evolve or the evolution isn't being handled with care and isn't being taken on and yeah. is continually dismissed, are you not then doing damage to the people that come behind you by tricking them into saying it's getting better? I don't know. That's the question. Okay. Have I, have I not done damage to say going into a male-dominated industry is... You know, when, you know when you hear actors talk about when they have children, they definitely don't want them going into acting? Mm-hmm. Inevitably, their children do get into acting, right? But, you know, yeah. sometimes they don't. But there's something to be said about doing a job that you claim to love, but then saying, would you let your child do it? Oh, my God, no. Absolutely yeah. not. Oh, what's the point? Well, I mean, that's certainly, like, a fatalistic way to look at it, and I completely understand where you're coming from, but I think that if you look at the progress that has been made, not just in construction, but also in technology, and just in the workforce in general, women do have more opportunity than they have had historically. Granted, in the past year or so, we have had some major setbacks, but it is daunting, and it is hard, and it is, you know, I just was speaking with my neighbor, and she she's an influencer, And I said to her, don't go back into the corporate nine to five. Like, don't, you know, she's struggling with her, with what she wants to do next because she feels completely defeated by having had a child, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I said, don't go back into the corporate world. So I understand that. I mean, that is where I'm counseling young women, like choose your passion, choose self-employment or something of that ilk if you can do it. But at the same time, I think that every little thing that we do when we are fighting for equality in the workspace has, even if it's just a butterfly effect, that we are causing small ripples that are affecting change. But I get I get where you're coming from and it is hard. Look, I don't have the answers. I'm just yeah. questioning it. Yeah. It's yeah. a big question, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. But you do know women that are thriving in this, in your workspace, right? No. Or no? No. Well, that's real hard. Yeah. That's real hard. Yeah. What are things that you can do for yourself right now in this moment where you are looking to find your way back to a place where you aren't feeling so defeated and so overwhelmed and tired? Is there anything that is in your sight line that you feel like you could do for yourself? I'm not really sure. I, I need to have like a, I need to have a couple of minutes to think about it. Why don't you, can you let everybody know what's going on with you? So yes, I have been struggling. Um, I, I think, I mean, people that have been listening know this, but I have three children. I have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old. And with each one of my pregnancies, I ended up with preeclampsia and just gained a whole bunch of weight, even though I ate well and worked out the whole time and followed all the rules and was really hard on myself. At the end of my pregnancies, I am all belly, which most women are. But with each one, my my stomach got worse and worse and in that I mean like stomach muscle separation my stomach muscles separated Um, I had a hernia between my second and third child that I had a surgery for which obviously was my third who was a twin but you know we only had one survivor and one little angel guy I you know I swole up even more with that pregnancy plus with your third pregnancy you just show quicker and it's It's um, a whole thing a bit more spectacular 
I decided after having a not great doctor's appointment in January, where I had a physician or GP general practitioner tell me that I didn't have any separation in my abs, which I knew that I did because I am pretty aware of my body. And in a past life, I was a fitness trainer. So I have like my, my certification on um, the kinesiology side of things. Anyway, I'm just aware as most women are aware of their body. I knew that there was something very wrong with what was going on with my abdominals. I had a doctor's point where they said, a, there's no, there's not a problem. And I just need to do physical therapy for a year and B that this might just be my new normal. Which is what they tell every woman. And I was in, I think they do. I mean, I can only speak from my experience, but I guess you can give me yours. And and, and I, and I know from a lot of women that they've been told that there's, I mean, we're not given after, after giving birth, even in the UK with a C-section, which is a major surgery, but any, any childbirth scenario even if you end up not having the baby. I mean, I had a late loss and I still had injuries. I lost a baby at about 21 weeks and I still had issues with my abs from the, the swelling of pregnancy. In my experience, there's no therapy given, no physical therapy really given unless you kind of demand it. And then when it is given, in my experience, I haven't found it to be particularly effective. All of this to say, I went to a doctor to try to get another hernia surgery because I thought that that's what I needed and was told, this is your new normal. There's really not any separation. You can do physical therapy. And I didn't feel like that was an acceptable option for me. So I was lucky enough to be able to make the sacrifice financially to get an abdominoplasty. So I had that surgery on the 12th, which is what, oh my God, almost two weeks ago. Mm. And my fascia in the center of my abdominal wall was separated four inches, which is quite a bit and could have been contributing to my trigger warning. This is gross my incontinence and pain. Anyway, so the the recovery was quite bad. The first three days were absolutely hellacious. I had been told that it wasn't going to be as bad as a C-section. I would definitely say that my surgery was way worse than my, the the abdominoplasty was way worse than the C-sections. And I've had three. Mm. However, I can tell a huge difference in my mood so there's definitely credence to like, what is it? Is it called like the mood, gut, yeah, whatever? Brain, What's it gut. called? Yeah. Brain, gut connection. So A, there's that. I feel like a different person. I feel like when I, Not well, person. <laughs> yeah, I feel like myself without my gut split open. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I'm not having the incontinence issues that I was having because there was no control down there because everything was all loosey goosey, yeah. um, which did not I mean it's hard and it did a number on my head and like like from day three I noticed that I could feel my abs again because I had no connection with my abs even though I've been working out doing the diastasis recti exercises and all doing all of the right things but then I got this surgery and now that I'm fixed I'm realizing and it's making me so mad and I might start crying so I'm so sorry Lisa because you don't love extra display of emotion but I realized that I was like fighting a losing battle. I knew I had an injury and it took me fiercely advocating for myself, but then also having the resources that I know a lot of people don't have to take matters into my own hands and go to a surgeon who would give me the surgery I knew I needed. And so now 
my stomach looks fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've never said that about myself. Mm. And I hate that it took surgery to get to the point where the diet industry promised me I could get with this pill or this keto or this whole 30. And maybe certain people can get there with that and more power to you if you can. But diet and exercise wasn't going to work for me. And that path is so taboo. And it should be, in my opinion, part of general health care to reconstruct your abdominal wall. I mean, so many women are struggling with the same thing and beating themselves up about it. Like saying, oh, I'm bad. I, I have a glass of wine and I'm, you know, and I eat rice or I like have an occasional piece of bread. But like the diet industry promises us that like this is all within our grasp if we're just more, if we're just less lazy. You know what I mean? Less lazy, more restrictive, more hard on ourselves, more starvation and less fulfillment. Yeah. I've been starving myself since I was 15. No, 12. So you're super good at it. I'm so good at it. And then there are times I'm not good at it. Okay. But for the most part, I'm really good at it. I would just say is that there's bigger conversations going on here about our own ingrained endemic fat phobia. Yeah. Because we were raised in a place. Well, we were raised in a world that is fat phobic anyway, but we were raised in a place where fat phobia is like so rife. You're not allowed to have an extra inch without people calling you fat or chubby or this or that. And it's Fat is the worst word you can say. Chubby is not great. Mm -hmm. Whereas we were never taught that it was okay to have a body that didn't look like a sack of bones, you know? Yeah. That was what was raised up to us as the ultimate, as the the peak, as the the target for our lives. No one really cared if we achieved anything over and above, like if we had a really great career or if we were doing fulfilling things with our lives, as long as the first thing was... You were as attractive as you possibly could be. And that meant being yeah. as skinny as you possibly could be. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. all that going on anyway. But I just, I just, that had to be said. And I just, like, that's work we both have to do. And it will be a yeah. lifetime battle. hundred yeah. percent. So I'm very thankful, but it's also just really opening my eyes up to just how hard I've been on myself for so, so, so long. And in speaking with my neighbor this morning, she mentioned she's got a great follow she worked really hard to get where she is and she recently had a child and she said I can't post pictures of myself because I don't look like I used to and it's just so heartbreaking because like first of all I, I'm encouraging her to write about it so like she could share this journey with her with her I think she's got something like 60,000 followers because they need to hear that yeah. And she said she she made comments about how she just didn't feel worthy to continue doing what she was doing because until she lost the weight. And you and I both know that there's not a number. There's because you and I have both been very thin for ourselves. Yeah. And still felt arguably the worst we ever felt about ourselves when we were at our fitness. That's true. Anyway, I don't know. That was all a bit of a mind jumble. But that's where I'm at, which is very interesting because I have felt that way. Well, it's very interesting, the super blood flower uber moon that's coming Mm -hmm. with the crescendo or the completion or whatever, because I do feel like this draws a line in kind of the battle that I've had since I started having kids where like the snap back situation, which I worked really hard after all my pregnancies and got back to a very fine 
weight and I looked great and I just could never give myself those kudos and I should have. So being at the place where I've always wanted to be and seeing what it takes to get there, like I just find it so heartbreaking because I know there are so many women. I mean, just even running into a person I barely know on the street today going through the same thing as me where they're like, when I get to that point where I get to that weight, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's not real and it's not fair. And so many women are chasing that chasing that dream and chasing that thing that's been promised to us by the powers that be and it's just so sad it is and also how much more fulfilling would your life be if the thing that haunted you day and night wasn't how unacceptable you look and who cares how you look I mean, obviously we all care how we look, but like, yes, no, it's just crazy. Like how much weight it has and how inconsequential it is. Yeah. And it's easy for me to say that because now I'm in a place where all the clothes I bought that I wanted to wear fit me. Yeah. So I don't have that hurdle anymore and it's a huge weight off my shoulders and it's wonderful. But at the same time, it's just, I'm finding it a very heartbreaking place to be. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because a lot of people wouldn't, Jenny. Well, it needs to be said. It is also a fucking terrible surgery. The pain is unreal. So I would not suggest it to anyone. But You needed needed those four inches of gap to be closed. So I don't see how you could have gotten around it. I know. No, my quality of life is already vastly improved. And not just because I can zip up my dresses. I think we're both asking the same questions, which is what if the thing that was so important that had to be achieved, that had to be won, the target that had to be met, what if that target was a waste of time? Or not a waste of time, but what if that target was totally ancillary and was only ever a satellite of the things that we should have spent our time on? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And I think that that's where both of us are and like why both of us are really hoping to make this work. The work that we do with the podcast and with the book, this is what we should have been focused on for so long because it's been our passion for so long, but other things just kept getting in the way. And I think it's really natural to mourn the loss of time that you've spent chasing targets or goals that were never yours to chase, that never really mattered. Yeah. And also, how do you move past that? How do you stop that time waste in its tracks and move past it? But I, but I think it's respectful to... Respectful is probably not the right word, but I think it's respectful to mourn that before you move past it to give it the credence that it deserves. Yeah. And I think also to give it the closure that you need, like we were talking about in the beginning to actually have that ending so that a new beginning can start or recalibration of what you're aiming for. Because until you are fully ready to close the door on what you've been chasing or targeting or aspiring to, you are never going to leave that door behind. You're just going to carry it with you the whole time. And that makes your journey to somewhere new almost impossible because you're carrying the weight of old expectations on you and that's impossible so this week if you feel don't you don't you think that so many women do that yeah i do and i think if this week you feel a weight and you've been feeling a weight maybe let an ending happen or a mourning happen of what you thought you needed or what you thought you wanted and yeah. let that happen so that this new full blood super moon doobie doobie doo mm-hmm. can can come in with its new cycle and its new change of emotional 
evolution. Just let that new emotional evolution happen and take you somewhere new, but without the fetters and the the chains of, of old expectation. Um, and another thing I wanted to kind of touch on, and I don't know if it's because of the blood moon horizon or because I'm just in a better headspace or because I'm kind of like throwing off some shackles at this stage. Probably all three. Yeah, probably just runs the gamut. But also maybe your situation. But I was thinking about when I left my job in October and how heavy that has weighed on me because I do believe that I'm done with that type of work. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'll go back into the corporate landscape at some point. Or maybe I'll continue with my consulting. I just, it felt like such a failure. I allowed the the manager that was so abusive to me and the fact that no one that I worked with who had been telling me I'd been doing a great job or people that had been my support while I was there that no one reached out and was like, man, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But also people don't have time and they're probably all in an abusive work relationship too. So first of all, there's that. Second of all, I had to be, and I have to know in my own heart, mind, body, soul, I have to know that I'm good enough. I have to be okay with where I am at professionally, with where I'm performing professionally because no one else can do that for me. My industry has shown me time and time again, I'm not going to get the accolades I want or deserve for the work that I've done. So why on my way out would I be shown those things? And that is not a reflection on me or my worth. The fact that I am not getting that or that people are taking advantage of me, it's a symptom of the larger problem, which is why we have this podcast, because the corporate world is built in a patriarchal structure to reward non-marginalized groups, cis white head women. As I'm in this place, like thinking through all of the things that I considered as a failure of mine or just an inability to suck it up like everyone else. And just get through it. First of all, I got to let that go. Because I don't know what other people are struggling with. And the part that I do know that they're struggling with, like just because they're not sharing it doesn't mean that it's not real. Like I'm experiencing it. Hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of women are experiencing the same thing within the corporate structure. Yeah. Which is why we've had so many folks reach out and thank us for doing what we're doing. Yeah. That's the reality. Not that I'm not intelligent, not that I'm less than, not that I'm undeserving. That's not real. That's being placed on me by A, by my like trauma and all the gaslighting that I've internalized rather than realizing that it's all part of the big lie. As I watch you navigate where you are, I'm just recognizing your internal struggle right now and It's heartbreaking to watch, but I also know that you're going to be okay and you're going to figure it out. But I just want to urge you and anyone listening that's kind of in a similar situation where you're leaving an abusive professional relationship behind. It's not your fault. (laughs) It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. The thing you need to do for yourself is leave the situation. Yeah. But there is going to be the weight of the trauma that you're going to have to shake. You got to set it down. So that is wonderful and resonates very much. I am struggling, but the fact that I know that there's an end in sight, a very clear end, is heartening. I need to go through the motions. And it's, it's super hard to think of how to lay down 
the things that have driven me for the better part of my working life. But also I think that if you trust the process that your body's going through, like my body's definitely pulling me through a really depressive state at the moment. I think that's a, a very natural process. My body is recognizing that I am changing something, that I'm shifting, mm -hmm. that I'm moving mm -hmm. away. And there's an anxiety and a stress and and a mourning and a depression that's happening. I have to let that be, so I'm putting it out there. It's happening and that's okay. And however long it takes is how long it'll take. And yeah. that's, that's what's happening. So I found that diet, exercise, and as much kind of downtime as possible are really the only ways to get through. Because you have to, with a chemical imbalance, with the high levels of cortisol, all of that stuff, like you have to, you got to flush those toxins out physically. Yeah. And I yep. found for me being more cognizant of less caffeine and more green juice has been helpful. That seems like well, a good place to wrap it up. This has been a rough episode, I think. You, we appreciate you following us on social media. We're Dear Patriarchy Pod on Facebook and Instagram, patriarchypod at gmail.com. Our website will be coming soon. And uh, we have some big news on the horizon that we're super excited about. We just kind of have to get our arms around it and then we will share that journey as well. Please share, like, subscribe, rate. We got a, a new rating on really apple podcast from michelle 1309467 mm. i have not finished this podcast but i'm absolutely loving it there's a lot of research antidotes and compelling perspectives thank you too for creating this podcast oh michelle thank you i know i don't and i don't know that that's someone that we know so oh my goodness uh, but exciting. anyway thank keep them coming you. and i know that Folks have written me and said that they've shared reviews and rated us, and they have not shown up. Um, oh, on okay. For me. So, no, and not for me either. So, I don't know what's going on there, but thank you for doing it. If you've done it, maybe if it didn't go for, through the first time, maybe try again. I don't know, but thank you is what. Yeah, I'm dust not. yourself off and try again. First, you don't succeed. Okay. <laughs> so, love yeah, obviously. Yes. Okay, we do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for sending us all of the things and sharing your journeys with us. We are here for you. And, you know, we're sending you love, light, and good night. Good night.